you're traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition. And it lies between the pit of one's fears and the summit of one's knowledge. You are now traveling through a dimension of imagination. You just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Anthology, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. I'm your host, Matt Hurt, and if this is your first time listening, Anthology is one man's examination of the Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer. Each podcast, I share my first impressions, analysis, and overall thoughts on Rod Serling's iconic series, one episode at a time. However, in this bonus episode series, I'm reviewing Season 2 of Jordan Peele and Simon Kinberg's Twilight Zone reboot on CBS All Access, hosted by Jordan Peele. You can find more of Anthology as well as full episode archives at anthologypod.com. And if you want to contact me, you can use the Facebook page at facebook.com slash anthologypod, tweet me at ovanthologypod, or send an email to matt at obsessiveviewer.com. Finally, if you want to support the show and get access to exclusive content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and pledge a minimum of $1 per month for an exclusive RSS feed with content recorded specifically for Patreon supporters. In the Patreon special that I just recorded for uh, the in the pre-show for this episode of the podcast, I talked about some cool marketing stuff that I got from CBS All Access for The Twilight Zone and Rod Serling's... Uh, Playhouse 90 episode, A Town Has Turned to Dust, which I also reviewed in an early episode of the podcast, and I ranted a little bit about the world, so uh, some decent content. Oh, I also yawned a lot in that recording, so if you want to hear me yawn, uh, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and pledge $1 um, for that RSS feed. Um, Okay, so today on the show, I'm going to be discussing... Among the Untrodden. It's the fifth episode of The Twilight Zone's second season, which premiered on June 25th, 2020 on CBS All Access. And I'm really excited about this episode because it's one of the standout episodes of the season, I think. And I'm really excited to kind of talk through it and uh, talk about it and dissect it the way that I do. So... Before I get into the actual review and everything, um, the writer of the episode, Heather Ann Campbell, who's at Heather Campbell um, on Twitter, she tweeted out the day that the season premiered, and she said she tweeted about how proud she was of this episode. And I just wanted to share those tweets um, because it's really just cool. It's it's cool. It's a cool like look behind uh, the scenes at at it. So uh, Heather Campbell tweeted. Um, Hello, please watch The Twilight Zone Season 2 premiering today on CBS All Access. The best thing I've ever written is in this season. It's called Among the Untrodden. And it's a thread, so I'm scrolling down. Um, And it's the actual thing. Thanks to the incredible directing by uh, at uh, Tyresha and the fantastic performances by Abby Hearn and Sophia Macy, the thing they don't tell you about TV is that usually your script changes after you turn it in. But the producers on uh, Twilight Zone Season 2 were extremely generous and supportive and allowed the script to film unaltered, and I'm so grateful. I'm proud of it and hope you enjoy it. Um, Also, it's secretly an anime. (laughs) Um, And then she said, honestly, this might be the peak. Gotta note this in my logs. So it's just really cool to uh, see tweets about the season and about the episodes from the creatives behind the scenes and uh and how they how they feel about it so i'm really excited to talk about and hope i hope i do it justice i do agree this was spoiler for the review i really enjoyed this episode i think that it is a very good episode and um heather ann campbell has every right to be super proud of it because it's it's some incredible writing so i'll get to that in my review of course and that's all the pre-show stuff that i have to go over um yeah, that's all the pre-show stuff I was trying to think. Um, yeah, so let's just go into my review. I'm going to read a plot summary, courtesy of CBS All Access. And then, of course, I'm going to be spoiling the episode um, in the review. So, fair warning. There's not going to be a spoiler warning. There's not going to be a separate spoiler section or anything. I'm just going to spoil it outright. So, if you haven't seen Among the Untrodden, go check it out and then come back and listen to the episode. So, um, the plot summary, courtesy of CBS All Access, is... Transfer student Irene's unusual interests make her an easy target at her new all-girls boarding school until she discovers that popular classmate Madison possesses a unique talent. 
This episode stars Abby Hearn as Madison and Sophia Macy as Irene, and they don't really have much in terms of credited um, acting roles. Um, in fact, when the season uh, pre the season premiere, um, before the season premiered on CBS All Access, uh, the news stuff that came out about each episode uh, said introducing Abby Hearn and Sophia Macy. So this is kind of their first uh, big credited roles in uh, television and film. So uh, that's pretty interesting. And writer for this episode is the aforementioned Heather Ann Campbell. She previously wrote season one episode, uh, I think it was episode eight, um, Not All Men. And then, no, I think that was episode seven. I don't know. Anyway, uh, the episode, Not All Men. And then she also co-wrote uh, episode six, which was Six Degrees of Freedom. Um, she's also an executive producer on the show. I think executive producer. She's a, she's a producer. Um, she's some kind of producer. So yeah. Director for this episode was, uh, Tyresha Poe, who directed Sela and the Spades from, I think it was an, a movie that came out last year that is available to stream on Amazon Prime. So if you have Amazon Prime, uh, go ahead and check that out. I haven't had a chance to check it out myself, but I'm curious about it. So check it out. Sela and the Spades. Okay, so my initial thoughts on Among the Untrodden. So just right from the outset, um, I just really dug this episode. I thought it was really well done and really cool. And one of the big things about it is that this is one of two episodes this season that gave me extremely strong Stephen King vibes. Particularly, this episode felt a lot like a riff on Carrie, which was Stephen King's uh, first novel, published novel. Um, and obviously, Brian De Palma made the movie, and, and there was another movie and a TV series. Anyway, a uh, TV miniseries. Check out Tower Junkies. Anyway, um, I got such a strong Carrie vibe off of this, but it wasn't like I was watching it thinking, oh, this is a ripoff of Carrie. It definitely holds its own. It does, it goes into its own direction and tells its own story, but it is very much steeped in supernatural high school vibes. And that in my head is just so ingrained with Stephen King and Carrie that I can't divorce that from, from my mind. So I really enjoyed the Stephen King feel of this episode. And I also thought that there were great locations like that boarding school set, the bathroom that they're in. And, um, the uh just the balcony also on the roof is just amazing really great locations that really made the made the episode really pop and uh yeah like i said the story makes it its own and i just really liked it overall so those are my initial thoughts from my first viewing <laughs> Um, so I'm going to go ahead and go into my review of Among the Untrodden. Once again, I'm going to be spoiling it. So fair warning. Um, here I go with my review of Among the Untrodden. Okay. So right off the bat, we get, um, this very nice, like piano music that's playing and it's played throughout the episode here and there, but it's just this really nice melody that really brings us into the emotional, um, feel of this episode. Like, I don't know, something about it evokes this, um, this empathetic energy into the, into the story that I really appreciated. And we see kind of just close up shots of, um, of a room of a, of a dorm room essentially, which, which has an Easter egg that I'll talk about in the trivia. Um, section of the review, but we open up on Madison, uh, putting on makeup in, in the room and everything. And then we see it's intercut with Irene walking through the halls of the boarding school. And again, this is just such a great set. So I've noticed that there are certain episodes of, of the twilight zone, like the next episode I'll be reviewing eight, uh, looks like, looks a lot like they, you know, obviously it's a, it's a TV show, so they have to repurpose their sets and everything, but it looks a lot like the, uh, set from six degrees of, of freedom, uh, just kind of re repurposed and retooled a little bit. Um, but here, this looks just so fresh and unique and, and vibrant. Like it just looks different and maybe not vibrant, more drab and, and kind of Gothic a little bit, but it is just a very fresh, um, set for the show. And I just, I, I thought it really, really, um, uh, I almost said really, really tied the episode together. <laughs> kind of like uh, Big Lebowski. Anyway, um, so in the classroom, we see Madison. She's bored. She's carving her name in her desk with the um, Emery board, I think is what it's called, with the thing for the nails. I don't know. Um, so she's carving her name on the desk, and 
that's when Irene enters the room and uh, the teacher introduces her and Irene introduces herself. And I love this because she is just so awkward. Like this is her character distilled down um, into her essence right there is she is so awkward in this moment. And like the teacher asks her to say like the things that she talk about the things that she likes. And she's, she says, I guess I like stuff, um, Indian food, memes and monsters, you know, cool stuff. And then she kind of backtracks and she's like, but I like other stuff too. And everything. Cause she is very much a character that is socially awkward and, um, not unsure of herself. And she has this effin- uh, this essence throughout the episode where she is trying to fit in. And if fitting in means, changing who she is in order to fit in she is somewhat okay with that at least at the start and i'll talk about that more and how that is reflected by madison's um storyline in this episode but i just love the energy of this scene where she's introducing herself to the class like she gives off such a strong um elsie fisher in eighth grade vibe and i think that that like i say that I say that as a huge compliment because I thought Elsie Fisher in eighth grade was uh, revelatory. Like I thought that that was an incredible performance and this performance um, by Sophie Macy is taps into that adolescent, adolescent unsure, unsureness and awkwardness so authentically and, and naturally. And I really appreciate it for that. So we get the intro, like we get the kind of exposition of the science fair project, and she says that her science fair project is going to be about psychic abilities. And then we get the kind of the the girls, the mean girls of the episode, their reaction to her, and I just I was so um, impressed with the hideousness of of the girls in this episode like the meanness of it is so just kind of brutal so gwen whispers to madison that irene looks like she's going to be the world's first girl school shooter and i thought holy holy crap that is that's brutal like that's that's just really uh that's just harsh and that that's brutal so um irene takes her seat and i did i i know i and I noticed this, that the teacher is talking about the po- the poets that she's talking about. She references Wordsworth and someone else. And uh, she mentions something about how the poets were into the deification of imagination, which I took to mean just how they made, uh, they thought that imagination was godlike. And I thought that, that was a nice kind of hint at the twist of the episode at the end, because Madison is a godlike character in that she creates friends and, um, like she created Irene and conjured her just so that she had, a, she could have a friend. Um, I thought that was a nice kind of clever, subtle hint at the twist of the episode. So, Irene takes her seat and Madison starts bullying her immediately. So Madison passes her a note that says, did you transfer from your old school because A, you're a slut or B, you're a loser? And uh, she has uh, underneath it says circle one with a little smiley face. And then just if that wasn't enough, she, she asks Irene, she's like, she whispers and says, do you need a pencil to answer it? And this I thought was really cool. This, <laughs> this was a really cool shot. So she, uh, there's, it's a cool shot where she conjures the pencil and it's pretty subtle too. So the pencil isn't in the desk when she looks, she's like, she's, uh, takes her hand in the desk and looks for it. And then the camera pans up, um, to, uh, the books on top of her desk and she's looking around on top of the desk and the pencil's not there. And then the camera pans back down and the pencil is now in the desk in the little cubby hole of the desk. Um, and it's visible. So it, it was just a really cool single, single uninter- an uninterrupted shot that I thought was just really cool. I didn't even notice it the first couple of times that I watched this episode. It wasn't until the third time I watched it. That I was like, Oh, she conjured the pencil. Obviously she did conjure the pencil because it disintegrates after a second, but, um, but I didn't notice that it had conjured in the desk at that point. So, uh, she throws the pencil at, at Irene and she says, Hey, your head got in the way of my pencil. Can you fetch it? And then the camera pans down and we see that the pencil is disintegrating. So that, that 
in and of itself, that whole setup, that opening scene is really effective at just reeling us in. And, and, and I was pretty intrigued by what this episode was going to have in store for it because it's just enough to whet our appetites and make us wonder, like, what does all this mean? Like, what, uh, what does it mean that this pencil just disintegrated? And honestly, I really thought that this was going to be a more straightforward, um, kind of carry type of story. I thought that Irene was going to be someone who was bullied until she gets, you know, revenge on the people who torment her. But it's not quite, the story isn't quite that, and I really appreciate the the episode for that reason. So after this, we get the opening narration from Jordan Peele. And before I play the clip, I just want to mention that right before the opening narration started, I was thinking, like, when we see the scenes of the girls bullying Irene, I kept thinking that, okay, well, there doesn't even need to be a Twilight Zone element in this episode because high school is terrifying. <laughs> and, like, I just, I was just so wrapped up in the setting of high school, and I just thought, like, yes, this is, like, high school itself is terrifying. And then Jordan Peele read my mind, and here's the opening narration for Among the Untrodden. High school. It's a period that, for most of us, already feels like a waking nightmare. One in which we're lost in a maze, searching for ourselves. But what if, during this precarious phase of our development, you introduced a set of extraordinary powers? That's all it will take to send the student body of St. Mary's boarding school on a harrowing field trip. To the Twilight Zone. So a couple things about this opening narration. First, <laughs> I like that Jordan Peele is just sitting at a desk in a high school classroom. I think that that's just, I don't know, that's kind of unique or I don't know if I'd say silly, but it's just, it has this weird uh, look to it, I guess. It's this, I don't know, grown man in a high school classroom is just kind of weird sitting at a high school desk. Um, also, he's wearing another kind of different colored suit again. I think this one's brown. Um, I like the variety in the in the wardrobe this season. I think that that's pretty cool. And of course, I, I love the writing of the narration. Like I love how it, first of all, it just, it uh, points out that, yeah, um, high school is a nightmare, um, a waking nightmare. And uh, I, I don't know. I just like kind of the simplicity of this opening narration. Like what if during this, uh, precarious phase of our development, you introduce a set of extraordinary powers that's, and that's all we get. Like, it's not like explaining, which is something that I'll talk about with the closing narration. Cause I think that that was a little bit of a, of a, misstep but this opening narration gives us as much information as we need and gets us primed for the episode as it's itself so i really enjoyed that so we come back from the opening theme and we see irene watching madison and the girls outside they're kind of just they're just walking across the field and they're giggling and laughing and everything and they're they're friends so then irene goes to the teacher to ask if she can change her topic for the science fair and it's because she wants to fit in like she doesn't want to be an outcast and i think that there's um a deeper conversation to be had about someone Madison conjures having her own hopes and dreams and desires. Um, I think it speaks to Madison's power and her prowess with her power without knowing it, um, that she can conjure a person who has her own identity and wants and needs and everything. Um, or maybe it's just that she is supposed to be a reflection of Madison and she's wanting the kind of struggle of this episode is that this entity that Madison has created, that this, that this reflection of herself that she's created in Irene still wants to be the Madison that Madison is. Um, I think that this episode plays with some really interesting, um, kind of ideas of identity and um, acceptance and everything. I think it's really remarkable and I'll talk about it later. So Irene does the tests and everything for the class and then she grades them and sees that Madison got zero correct. Um, and when she goes to talk to Madison about it in the, in the room, in the dorm room, um, outside the dorm room, I should say, 
Um, it just captures the awkward teen dynamic so well in that scene. Um, she's Irene right from the jump. She's awkwardly knocking on the door. She's knocking several times without interruption. And it's like, she doesn't know how to interact in a way that's not socially awkward. And it's just, it's just a, a nice little kind of subtle thing that, that she does with the, with the knocking that just shows that she's not the same as everyone else. So when Madison's at the door, her friends in the background want to bring Irene into the room, specifically so they can just laugh at her expense. And Madison says no, or she kind of closes the door behind her a little bit uh, to keep them away from, from Irene. And I think that that's an interesting kind of tell that Madison has deep down. She, she cares for Irene already. And she does, she's trying to just subtly shield her from, the influence of her shitty friends, essentially. So Irene starts to tell her about the test, but then uh, on the same, on the same token of, of that about Madison, um, she's also posturing like Madison tells her to spit it out and use her words. Uh, she's impatient and everything. So Madison tells her that this whole idea of powers and everything is bullshit. And, this is her posturing. Like deep down, she knows she's got powers, but she doesn't want to upset the life that she has or the kind of status quo of her life. And I think part of that, there's a, there's also another question to ask of whether or not, um, Irene is the first person she's conjured. Um, I would assume so. Cause she, I, I don't think that she doesn't know that she, I don't think that she is conscious of her powers necessarily. Um, as conscious of them as, uh, well, maybe she is, I don't know. It's, it's kind of up in the air, but either way, Madison deflects and she makes fun of Irene, um, as a defense mechanism and like talking about how, um, how she would be like, how she would be, uh, what it's like to be normal, um, or why Irene doesn't understand what it's like to be normal and everything. And Irene explains, <laughs> It's funny because like Irene explains that normal in this scenario would be if Madison got five right on the test. And just that, like the way that she says it and just the matter of fact kind of correction of that uh, reminds me a lot of eighth grade and that kind of depiction of social awkwardness. Um, but Irene goes on to say that, she, that Madison might have superpowers and might be suppressing them. And Madison kind of writes it off and says, no, yeah, no, see, I don't have your dumb nerd powers. And then that's, uh, that's when the conversation ends. And I think there's a deeper meaning to mine from this episode. Um, I think that the episode is really about identity and suppressing who you are because you want to be quote unquote normal. And by extension, this episode is also about the pain and doubt that comes from letting yourself be who you want to be. Um, as opposed to, um, no, 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 uh, letting yourself be who you're supposed to be, um, rather than who you think you want to be, if that makes sense. So, so I think that Madison and Irene are really interesting reflections of each other. So Madison is looking for a sense of belonging and her place in the world, um, despite being like, like Jordan Peele says in the closing narration at the end of the episode, she seems like she has it all. She has friends, she's popular and everything. She's kind of a, a queen of the school, um, and everything like she, nothing seems to really phase her or anything, even though deep down everything does. Um, so in that case, she's looking for a sense of belonging in her place in the world because she knows deep down that she's different from other people. Whereas Irene is looking for the same. She's looking for that sense of belonging and a place in the world. But Irene is more willing to change and adapt and make concessions in order to fit in. So she's more, they're kind of two sides of the same coin. Irene is someone who wants, wants to be accepted, wants to fit in, even if that means changing who she is at her core. Whereas Madison fits in and everything, but she, she is looking for something to, define her or she's looking for something she's looking for her thing like she's looking for what she's meant to do or how she's meant to be because she doesn't fit in even though she fits in with the girls um so basically both girls are teenagers who want the same thing <laughs> yet they go about it differently and i think that it, 
the writing in this episode is just really great at demonstrating both of that far, far better than I, uh, than, than I can explain it. Um, yeah. So Irene leaves, leaves the cards for Madison at the, uh, at the outside of the door. And then Madison gets them and tests herself and she gets a perfect score and is freaked out by it. And this is a really cool scene because I just love the energy that, uh, Abby Hearn brought to this realization scene for Madison. I thought that, that was really cool. So Madison then in response to that leaves a map for Irene to meet her in an abandoned bathroom. And she goes there and first of all, just love the set decoration. It's dirty. It's covered with, con- uh, with the graffiti, um, covered wall to wall with, uh, with graffiti. And I really liked it. Um, it's dark, it's very dim, dimly lit and everything. I just really liked that. So Madison comes in and she's confrontational. And that is Madison defending the sense of vulnerability that she suddenly feels. So she thinks like, what's the trick? What are you doing? Why do you think I'm stupid and everything? Um, and again, she's just defending this, she, it's a defense mechanism. She feels vulnerable for the first time in maybe a while, maybe ever. And Irene's response to this is to be excited about the prospect of Madison having powers. And, uh, she says, if it's real, it's like the coolest thing to happen to anyone ever. And like, she's just, her excitement is like dialed up to 11. And Madison says, just please stop talking, which I thought was interesting because, Irene does like she doesn't say anything I think for the maybe the rest of the scene um and I kind of wondered if that was more if that was a demonstration of Madison's psychic powers that she literally made Irene stop talking um so I don't know but Madison opens her opens herself up to the idea but she's still guarded like she says like she has this threatening scene at the end of the scene where she says if this is a prank I will ruin your life um, because she's still guarded. She's vulnerable. This is a teenager who's vulnerable. And I think that that's demonstrated really well in this episode. So we get kind of a montage of Irene setting up for the tests and everything. And I just want to point out that this has a needle drop of a song by Rose of the West called Roads, which I think I thought that it matched the momentum and the tone and atmosphere of this episode really, really well. Um, it's a really cool scene and scored by a really, uh, a really well chosen song. Um, so Madison arrives after she's, after Irene has set everything up for the test and she just immediately says it's corny. Um, but she's looking at everything. It's like, she's, it's like this absent minded thing where she just has to just, um, it's a very teenager thing. She has to just crap on everything, but she's looking with interest at everything. Um, so I thought that was really well done. So Irene says that there's a lot of different powers that they can test for. And she kind of dumbs down the different powers from Madison and just, I'll say it here. I really like the way that this episode explores identity. Uh, Madison has been subconsciously suppressing this power that she has because she doesn't want to be different. And she needs Irene in order to guide her true self out. And I think that that's why she conjured Irene um, so that she had someone to, uh, to bring out this, the real Madison, because her friends weren't doing it. Like her, like she is a care. Like, Madison is a person who is so guarded and shielded. And she is, she has this fa- facade of this persona that she has this popular girl persona persona, but deeper down she has, she's more complex than that. And she wants to free herself of that. So she conjures Irene specifically. So Irene can bring her out of her shell and bring her out of that. And I think that I just, I really like that. That is a way for this episode to explore identity and, and who you are and who you, who you, uh, put yourself out as. Um, I just, I really like that. So Madison says, uh, Madison asks, at one point, she asks Irene, she says, don't you want to be normal to be cool? And I think that that's a really nice insight into her character that also showcases how different they are. Like, Irene wants to be cool. She wants to fit in and everything. Um, And she is so, uh, she's so willing to 
alter her personality in order to fit in. Like Irene says, I didn't even want to do this project, but Miss Watson told me I had to. I wanted to do, <laughs> I thought this was really funny. I wanted to do it on marijuana or getting high, like how cool that is. Um, I thought that was really charming, but kind of sad because like I said, she is willing to make so many concessions in order to fit in and be like accepted into this group of people that she thinks will elevate her life in terms of just high school life. Um, and it's just, and also just the other side of that is Madison thinks that, or she is pretending that being normal is to be cool and, and that that is normal. I mean, I guess she really believes that, but, and I think that that's why she's scared and guarded about her powers and everything, but it's just an interesting, uh, pairing of these two characters that they reflect each other in the way that they pursue what they think is normal and what they want in regards uh, and how it affects who they are as a person. So then Madison asks uh, Irene, why don't I know how I'm doing this? Have I always done it? And she says in this like inflection, that's just very natural. Like, have I always done it? Um, I, I, I enjoyed that. So Irene explains to her, and I thought that this was this was a really cool analogy, she explains to her that you don't really know how you see, uh, you just do. Um, you just do it. And that's kind of the same thing. Like, it's just something that you have a natural ability to, so you don't, like, consciously think about it. I thought that was a really good analogy um, for, and a good way to kind of um, simplify the uh, the idea of power so that it didn't get muddled in any overly explaining uh, scenes of dialogue or anything. And then uh, she mentions, Madison mentions that she never looked at a card and saw what it was until now. And it's really just the way that Madison develops throughout this episode. Like she's letting herself be vulnerable, but she's still very guarded. And it's it's just really a really well done character arc for Madison because she's slowly just um, becoming more and more vulnerable and open to Irene being in her life in general. And there's a scene where she reads Irene's mind. Like Irene burns the card and uh, asks her to, or asks Madison to read her mind about what it was. And she does, and it works. And that's when Madison starts to relax and, and seems to be fine. Um, and then we get another needle drop of the song Top of the World by Kimbra, uh, which I thought was another good needle drop. It, it um, complimented the whispers of the thoughts around Madison as she's walking through the cafeteria. And so like in the soundtrack, like we have the song and then we have Madison wa- walking through the cafeteria slowly in kind of slow motion with her entourage. And we hear whispers throughout um, throughout the cafeteria of the people whose minds she's reading. Like someone says, oh, I stole uh, Sarah's lunch money or something. And it's all pretty tame stuff. It's nothing too severe. Um, and then, so this I thought was kind of interesting. She goes up to a seat, to a table where where one girl is sitting. And Madison uses her power to see what the girl's lunch is. And I thought that was kind of silly. She's like, why don't you take, we're sitting here. Why don't you take your tuna fish and French fries um, and go elsewhere? And like, it's said in a way that's like, oh, it's like, she's, she's getting her. She's getting her. She's, uh, she's freaking her out and everything. But it's like, it's such an innocuous observation. Like, like, oh, she's telling her that she can see into her lunch bag and everything, but it's also like, okay, um, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's nothing too threatening or anything. But then, so like, that's, that's the first interaction. And then immediately after that, she kind of redeems that by sharing the secret that this girl had, uh, watched her, uh, stepfather masturbate to the, to QVC and like that just lands with such a punch. And then she doubles down on that and says, and watched him finished finish. And just that I thought was really cool because we have this just really innocuous use of the power, like, like this weird faux intimidation tactic where she, where she's showing her, telling her that, um, she can see what, what her lunch is. Um, and like that's silly in the moment, but then we immediately get just the bigger punch of it. And I thought that was really cool. 
So another example of Irene wanting to be popular is that she's trying to do makeup. She's looking at a magazine and she's trying to fix her makeup and everything. And what I thought was really charming and, and showed the growth of their um, Madison and Irene's kind of burgeoning friendship was Madison just uh, offers to help fix her makeup and everything. And it is it seems so comfortable. Like Madison is very is is more comfortable with Irene, and she says it like with this kind of a bubbly um, personality, I guess like this, this not weird, but she is very friendly and happy and everything. And like, this is the only time in the episode where she kind of speaks with that type of um, uh, intention in that, that inflection in her voice. Like she's very cheerful um, and, and just happy. And I thought that was really, just really cool. Um, and that made me really feel for Irene and Madison's bond. And so Irene tells Madison that she should do makeup tutorials. And Madison laughs that off because she says like, oh, like Gwen and Lisa and everyone else. And that I thought was really interesting. Because again, she has been, Madison has been so guarded and so, um, so so afraid to be vulnerable but this is her saying that she wants to stand out or at least she's finally becoming someone who wants to stand out like she's realizing that this um that this that this uh kind of culture that she's in with with the mean girls at school is not something she wants to be she wants an escape from it which is obviously the theme of the season for each episode so um i think that that's kind of an interesting um use of that use of that kind of theme throughout this episode. So the girls try to test Madison for telekinesis and she can't do it. And she's pretty bummed, but Irene is still reassuring and everything. So Madison and Irene leave the bathroom together and that's when they're interrupted by the teacher. But first I'll talk, I'll say that Irene wasn't sure, um, if she was supposed to go with her, like Madison says, like, Oh, like Irene says, I'll stay behind and clean up. But Madison says, Oh, just blow out the candles. No one's going to come here. And then there's a pause and Madison or Irene doesn't know if she's supposed to leave with her. Um, because she's still thinking of herself as an outcast and everything. And she doesn't see her and Madison as friends. So Madison's like, come, come on, you can like, let's go. Come on. <laughs> and so they walk down the hall together. And that's when Madison tells Irene about the balcony and how they can't go up there anymore because, I can't remember what it was. Um, and that comes into play later, obviously, in a, in a big way. But then they're stopped by the teacher. And this, I thought, was kind of, I don't know, I I thought it was fine. Madison kind of flexes, and she threatens to tell the dean about the teacher's gambling debt and how she's been uh, stealing money from the school in order to facilitate that. And on one hand, it's like, okay, that's fine, but it's it's kind of a weird, not weird jump. It's, um, I don't know, I can't... I, I kind of have a problem with that type of thing with when you have uh, psychic abilities in movies and TV that like their deepest secret just happens to be something that they can use to um, to get them out of trouble, uh, get the main character out of trouble or anything. I, I don't know. It just seemed a little convenient, but it's nothing. I, I don't know. It's a nitpick. But th- in terms of the filmmaking, I really like the lighting in this scene the the hallway itself is really dark like it is it is very there's no lights on it's 1am obviously but the girls faces are lit by flashlights and it feels just a little bit eerie like when when Madison kind of leans in and and whispers the secrets to the to the teacher and everything it just feels eerie and this whole like tone of this scene and and as utilized by the the dark dimly lit lighting in in the scene is kind of preparing us for the tone of Irene's fall here in, in a few scenes later. Um, and I just think that it was, it was just really ominous and, and eerie. And then that's when Irene tries to get the teacher to give them the balcony key, which I just like her excitement over that, but the teacher doesn't have it. And then they, she lets them go and everything and they go back to their rooms. But that's when we find out that Madison can conjure things because I, and I like this because the second that she says, I really wanted that key is when we hear the, the key drop and it's just, I thought that was really good timing and everything. And she, they're both excited and, and they find out that Madison can conjure and everything. And Madison says she's, she's going to go get 
Gwen and Lisa. And again, Irene kind of hangs back at first. She's awkward and nervous about being accepted because she's not sure if she's been accepted. She doesn't know her place in this click yet or anything. And Madison's like, come on, let's go. Like, like she's very natural and, um, uh, she's, it's like, she's not conscious of Irene's anxiety over her place in, in this group. Um, and that's when we find, and then, and then they go to the balcony and we find out that, uh, the things that she con that the things that she conjures disintegrate after they've fulfilled their purpose. Um, and seeing that I, I really like the pacing of this or the, the way that the episode unfurls these powers or reveals these powers. So seeing the pencil disappear at the beginning of this episode in the opening scene, and then later having the key disappear and then adding like a little bit of an explanation for it um, later in the episode is a really good way to just subtly and, and carefully set us up for the ending. I think that it set it up really well. Like the, the twist at the end, I thought it was, it was hid. uh, It was hidden very well in the, in the story. And I really like the pacing of how we're slowly getting the information about the disintegrations and everything. So then we get the balcony scene and the girls are playing never have I ever. They're talking, they're, they're being very, um, forthcoming about themselves. And I really like the way that this was shot. So we are kind of ground level and then the camera zooms in on the balcony. And that's a good way to kind of visually demonstrate to us just how high up they are and, um, how nervous it is. Like I am, I am terrified of heights. I'm, I'm like, full on like acrophobic and just seeing that I was like, Oh, that's I'm nervous about that. Cause like anytime I see anything where someone is sitting on a ledge, um, it just makes me just freak out a little bit and get very clammy and scared and everything and nervous. So seeing Irene and uh, Madison just sitting on the ledge like that, just really kind of, uh, upped my anxiety a little bit. And again, I love this location, like just seeing the outside of the, of the building, um, of St. Mary's is just really, it just looks just so, um, contained. Like it seems like, like it's the containment of them in the school feels like it's containing the characters in their, in their roles within the social structure of the school. Um, maybe I'm putting more into it than, than what's there, but I just like that we're only in this location. We're only at the school and it's a kind of like a prison, much like Peel mentions at the end of the episode that the mental prison that Madison is in. Um, I just like that we see, you know, we're only at the school throughout this episode. So the girls, start picking on Irene for their own personal amusement. And Irene wants to fit in. She's kind of, she's, it's really kind of sad. Like she's, she's not really conscious of the fact that they're, you know, just ragging on her and she's trying to fit in and, and kind of be cool, but without the self-awareness or anything. Like it's, it's a weird, like just, she's very kind of, gleeful about it about like being able to fit in but just not conscious of the cruelty of the conversations that she's having and that's just kind of a bummer um but good writing and and good um dialogue and everything but madison defends her and i thought that that was really touching and very very nice like madison starts turning the tables on her friends and (laughs) uh she reveals some secrets about i think it was lisa or gwen um and like they have like a full-on argument and everything and that's when irene and this i thought was just kind of sweet and awkward but which is just completely in line with Irene as a character, but she's like, come on, it's okay. Everyone has secrets and it's just fun to be here and be cool and everything. And then she falls and man, that was a big shock to me when I saw it. Like it, I I loved it. I, I loved it. And I really thought that this was going to be the turning point for the episode. I thought that, I thought that she was legitimately going to be dead and the rest of the rest of the episode was going to be Madison, uh, kind of reckoning with, with her role in Irene's death while also using her powers against Gwen and Lisa and everything. I thought that that was going to take that turn. I'm glad that it didn't because that would be a little, a little rote, but, um, 
I just I was so shocked and I, I like I kind of gasped and every, everything during it and I I thought that was really cool. So then but then almost immediately like we we get cut to a scene where Madison is now um ground level with uh Irene's body and Irene just comes back to life with no problems whatsoever. And Irene tells Madison she's like she's like what did did you save me? And Madison says she didn't do anything. And that's another, like, just, it, it's seeding the end of the episode later on, where it, by, by having Madison just not accepting that she did anything. Like, I'm sure that she believes that she really didn't do anything, because honestly, she really did nothing. But just the idea that this girl with powers is now kneeling beside someone who should be dead, who just came back to life and regained consciousness without a scratch on her. Like it stands to reason that, yeah, Madison probably did something to bring her back to life, but Madison doesn't want to accept that. She doesn't want to accept that she cares about Irene and cares about anyone other than herself because her whole persona is based on this popularity thing, the popularity scale of the school and her status as just a mean girl in the school. And she is struggling with accepting her own identity outside of who she is within this clique of, of girls in the school. So then the next day in the cafeteria, the mean girls, which I have in my notes, uh, they ask Irene to sit with her, to, to sit with them. And they seem interested in her and they like, they comment on, on this new vibe that she has and everything. Cause she says, <laughs> I thought that this was, I thought this was actually a really good line <laughs> and I loved the uh, way that the actress um, delivered it. But she says, well, like, cause like the girls say like, you should be dead. And she's like, well, falling off a roof doesn't hurt if you don't give a fuck all the way down. <laughs> like, I love that line. Cause it's such a confident, like, turn a phrase or it's a confident um, explanation or deflection. But Irene is so still so awkward and so uh, uncomfortable in her own skin that when she says it, she's, she's still just kind of cautious and kind of, kind of hesitant about it. And I thought that was really charming and, and a really good demonstration of the character uh, and her main like character trait. And, yeah, so so this whole scene where she's at, she's having lunch and she starts partying with the girls, um, she's trying to fit in. She's trying to fit in with this group, and that is just a bummer because that isn't Irene. It's not who she is. It's who she thinks she wants to be, but it's not her, which is just about the most significant character flaw um, for the character, and it's also the most universal because I feel like a good percentage of people watching this probably had that experience. Like everyone went through puberty and went through, uh, went through their teenage years. And, and I mean, holy crap. Like that was a, like, there's a reason why I said that. Yeah. High school is a nightmare. Like high school is terrifying. Like that's enough horror for an entire episode of, of television. Um, because it is, it's just like, everyone is just so hormonal and, and unsure of who they are and they're trying to find themselves and everything, but not really realizing that they're trying to find themselves. It's just, it's such a, it's a minefield of emotional, um, I almost said emotional terrorism in some cases, but emotional, just frailty and fragility. And I think that this episode just captures that so well. And as the, as Irene is talking to the girls, we see Madison kind of standing by the side, standing off to the side. And it's clear like, she doesn't like that Irene is hanging out with them. And I like my read of that is it's because Irene is Madison's escape from the click, just like Madison is Irene's escape into popularity and acceptance. And just seeing that Irene is utilizing that to become popular and change her personality to an extent um, to fit in is a bummer to Madison because Madison wanted to be who she is supposed to be or who she um, feels that she is deep down um, and just such good writing. Like this, this episode is just phenomenal in terms of character development. Um, there is a read on this, uh, a read into this that, I mean, this could be just an allegory with an allegory for um, uh, discovering like um like Madison discovering like her sexual orientation and like being afraid of not being normal by, by wanting to like, uh, by being, 
uh, a lesbian in this in this scenario. I think that there's very much like it fits really well in this, and I think that that's something that is really great in terms of capturing like what the Twilight Zone is. So you can read that as an allegory for um, sexual orientation and identity crisis and everything in teenagers. But it's a, at its heart, it's like it is a story about a girl struggling to figure out her powers and everything. But it's so great because it can be read metaphorically like that, and it's just it's just beautifully done. I really enjoyed the writing in this episode. So Irene starts partying with the girls and. There is a minx, uh, there, there's a reference to Ovation in that there is a uh, magazine, the magazine with, with minx on it uh, is in that scene, which, fine. Uh, like I said in, in my uh, previous reviews, I don't really need that. Um, I don't need that interconnectivity. Um, also, I forgot to mention this, that uh, the girls in The Who of You that... Luntz walks past while, um, is it Harry is in his mind. Uh, those girls are wearing St. Mary's, uh, boarding school, um, jackets. So that's interesting. Fine. So Madison kind of comes to the rescue of Irene because Irene is just trashed and she helps Irene back to her room. And that's when she tells Irene to stop hanging out with them. And, Irene is like, are you really that jealous that I'm friends with, uh, your friends? And well, first, first Madison says, I don't give a fuck about you, but I'm telling you stop hanging out with them. And that's more posturing because she's, it's, it's like, she's receding back into that, um, into that carefully constructed, um, anti-vulnerability <laughs> like she's she's made herself vulnerable but now she's seeing that irene is kind of going off on her own way so she's she's rescinding that vulnerability just a little bit so she's she's doubling down or she's posturing and saying i don't give a fuck about you but she does and um she does because she does care about irene and so irene that's when irene says wow are you really that jealous of me being friends with your friends and that's when madison says that none of them are friends and that they won't talk to her anymore and that kind of is the moment where madison's like okay we're we're done like this is over we're done and she leaves and then the next scene is just oh god so the girls tell Irene to make sure she visits their booth at the science fair. And <laughs> I have in my notes, oh, buddy. And then I have Carrie, because this is very much Carrie um, by Stephen King. And I, I love it for that. I really love it for that. So before we get to the big thing at the science fair, um, we see Irene's science fair project and we see it being graded and it's terrible. Like it's a very minimal effort. It's not the topic that she chose. It's this just basic, like what kind of blush is best. And it's very clear that it's just not her. It's not Irene. That's not who she is. And it's just her trying to fit in with the cool kids because low effort means, you know, uh, less chance of being vulnerable and vulnerability is like the cardinal sin of being cool, I guess. Um, if memory serves from like 15 years ago, Oh Jesus, 15 years ago. Is that how long I've been in high school? I don't know. How old am I? Yeah. Like 20 years ago. Um, so no, not 20 years ago. Yeah. 20 years ago. Jesus. I'm old. Anyway, um, <laughs> like 18 years ago. Anyway, Irene wanders around and that's when she sees the girls' project. And it is completely brutal. It's it's like anatomy of a loser. And it's all... um, It's very... I, I mean, it's really well put together, <laughs> to their credit. Um, but it's really brutal. It's... There's so much flair and pen, uh, pizzazz to it. So there are a bunch of TVs and phones interconnected that are playing... Um, Irene's awkward party footage and the footage from the balcony on a loop. And it's just, it is just devastating. Um, just, oh God, it hurts to see. Like it's, it's a huge bummer. Um, and that's when Irene screams while Madison is looking at, looking at, uh, the display and seeing Irene distraught. And the screens all shatter and the girls fall to the ground kind of catatonic. And we don't get closure on that. Like, I don't know if we're meant to think that they're dead. Um, I think they're alive because their faces weren't covered when they were put in the ambulances. But I, but they're not in the classroom when at the end of the episode. So, I don't know. 
um, Irene or Madison just got rid of it. And we did, at this moment, it's not clear whether Irene or Madison caused it. So Irene leaves and Madison watches her friends get transported into the ambulances. And that's when she goes to find Irene and that's where they have their big blow up. Um, she goes into the bathroom and she asks what she did to them. And that's when Madison claims that Irene has been playing her from the start and manipulating her into thinking that she has powers. And first of all, I was thinking that that was the case throughout the entire episode. I thought that it was going to be a, a case where, um, Irene was making Madison think that she was special so that she could get revenge on her picking on her and bullying her. Um, and I like that the episode is smart enough to, to notice that, like notice that that is a read that care that viewers will have. So it's calling that to attention here. So she claims that Irene has been manipulating her into thinking that she has powers. And this is Madison overcompensating for the vulnerability that she feels toward her friendship with Irene and the possibility that she did cause the psychic outburst. And I think that the kind of the big moment of Madison as a character is she yells at her and says, you made me think I was special. And that's what it comes down to. Like she has never let herself be vulnerable and she has finally let herself be vulnerable. And the first sign of trouble or any type of, like losing out on this connection that she has with Irene is too much for her to bear. So she's just like, this is her and her raw element. And she confides in Irene and says, I wanted you to be some normal girl. I wanted someone, I wanted a friend. Instead, I got this never ending nightmare. And it's just, I, I like that because that's her reconciling like this idea that she, she that she wants a friend. She's admitting that she wants like a real friend. And this is the first time she really admits that uh, out loud to Irene or anyone. And that's when I really love this, that Irene kind of comes into her own as a character in this moment because she calls her out on it. She's she asks, why is it so hard for you to admit that we're friends? And she says that you're in all of this pain because you won't admit that you're different. And I thought that that was incredible writing. Like that is incredible subtext. It goes back to my whole idea of this being about this being kind of a metaphor for, um, for romantic, um, uh, like discovering uh, your sexual orientation, um, in, in, in high school, um, and realizing that it's not, you know, what you expected it to be. And I thought that that just, it provided so much subtext, that one line, you're in all this pain because you won't admit that you're different. Like that just is so powerful and so just beautiful. I, I love it. Um, and so Irene asks, why won't you accept it? Uh, that we're friends. And that's when Madison just confides in her more and says, you're just going to hurt me or betray me or go away. And that's when Irene says that she never will and that she's her friend and they agree they're friends. And that's when Madison hugs her. And that's when we get just such a cool ending and just kind of, it just, it killed me a bit because Irene starts to, I starts to disintegrate. And like in that moment, I was just floored. I was like, I was kind of blown away. And what I thought was just such a cool, button on the scene and also incredibly sad and tragic for this relationship here is that Irene's last words were like this realization. She's, she's asking Madison, she's like, Madison, Madison, like what's going on? And then, and then she says, as she's about to disintegrate fully, she says, you wanted a friend in this realization, this voice of realization, like that's why you conjured me. You wanted a friend. And then she's gone. Um, just, I, I loved it for that. I really loved that. Um, yeah. And then kind of the denouement of the episode is Madison is back in the classroom and she's alone in the cluster of desks. We see, uh, shot from behind, we see a, a girl walking the hallway, kind of mirroring the, the scene at the, in the first see, uh, in the first scene of the episode where Irene is walking down the hallway and we see a new girl enter the classroom. And this is, this girl is played by Skylar Radzian. Um, I originally thought that it was another version of Irene, like, like that. Um, I thought that Madison had just conjured an alternate version of Irene that would be kind of like, okay, well maybe this one will work, but no, it's a completely different person. Um, and yeah, and then that's the end of the episode. We get Jordan Peele's closing narration, which I will play here. 
On the surface, Madison appeared to have it all. But on the inside, she was lost, alone. So she created Irene, a projection in every sense. One part wish fulfillment, another part confession. An unconscious cry for help from within her psychic prison. In the Twilight Zone. And this closing narration is okay. It's it's all right. It's a good button for the episode. It's a good kind of closing the episode kind of thing. But it also feels a little bit too explanation heavy. Like Jordan Peele says, so she created Irene, a projection in every sense. Like I I feel like that's a little bit too um too exp- too much of an explanation for the episode. Um, I kind of wish that it would have left us to kind of interpret what all that meant. But I guess. We don't, I, I, it's fine. Like it's, it's a minor nitpick, but it just kind of felt a little bit, um, explainy <laughs> is what I have in my notes is it's explainy. Okay. So as far as trivia notes, I didn't have anything until today. I'm recording this July 7th and, uh, today the Twilight Zone Twitter account posted a video that, uh, had Easter eggs from this episode. Um, I think, uh, Abby Hearn was the one that, uh, introduced the, the episode or the the um the clip of the different um the different easter eggs so i'll run down them uh, i'll run them down a little bit here so these are pretty subtle easter eggs so um first we get the typewriter at the in the first scene that's not very subtle at all um of course it's a whipple brand typewriter which of course is a reference to season five the brain center at whipples uh, from the original series which rip whipple is all over the place throughout the series um, and then there are a couple of references to the original series in the party scene. And I thought this was interesting because I like, you can't, you can barely see anything in the, in the scene because it's all kind of out of focus and slow motion and, um, at like Dutch angles and stuff. But one of the beers is, uh, King nine ale, uh, which is a reference to season two's King nine will not return. And then the bottle of vodka, pouring into the cup is Bedecker vodka, which is a reference to season one, uh, episode escape clause. And the other two Easter eggs are there in the, uh, are both in the science fair scene. So there's a world war two helmet in the background. That's apparently from season three's equality of mercy. And the final one is, uh, some props or lighting, uh, a light exhibit in the background as the teacher is walking through that is from season five, uh, episode uncle Simon. So yeah, a lot of those, I've, uh, of those I've only seen King nine will not return and escape clause. So I did not pick up really anything except for the Whipple brand. So, uh, kind of interesting. I'll put a link to that video in the show notes of the episode, of course. And yeah, that'll do it for this bonus episode of Anthology. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Overall, I thought that Among the Untrodden was one of the strongest episodes of the season. Really great writing, great character dynamic between the two main characters, really strong acting uh, between them. And it went down some paths that I didn't expect it to take while having a very Stephen King-influenced kind of vibe to it. And... It just left me with a lot to think about in terms of just the character dynamics and the the um, the uh, the way that the characters kind of came out at the end. So, really great episode, really enjoyed it. Next time on the show, um, I think I'm going to take a short one week break from the bonus episodes, and I'm going to do a special one off um, in in between main in between seasons of the original series recording. I'm going to have my friend Tiny from Obsessive Viewer and Tower Junkies. Um, he and I are going to, he's going to come on and he and I are going to review uh, Rod Serling's um, Seven Days in May, which was a movie from 1964, I think. Um, a drama that he wrote that was adapted from a novel, but he wrote the script and Tiny and I are going, are going to be reviewing that. And then after that, we're going to get right back into these bonus episodes, reviewing the new series or the new season of the new series of the Twilight Zone. So next up, uh, a week after next will be the episodes eight and a human face. So look forward to that 
uh, in about a week and a half by the time this episode releases. And uh, in the meantime, check out the episode that Tiny and I are going to record next week. So that'll do it for this episode of Anthology. Thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, I'll see you next time. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. So, the guy in the video is yelling, I feel threatened. Like, he is a he's just your typical white guy, douchebag, uh, testosterone, like fragile masculinity guy um and he's i'm just i'm just amazed by it because he's yelling i feel threatened as he's balling his fist puffing out his ridiculous chest and advancing on the guy filming like it's it's asinine it is asinine um and i like i don't like this kind of reactionary thing where people are getting doxxed um on twitter and everything and like people are publishing their their home addresses and stuff like that's not cool i don't i don't like that or anything but i do <laughs> i did kind of get a little bit of um schadenfreude glee out of this because he ended up getting fired from his job um at an insurance company and it's just like yeah because he's a fucking like he's unstable like this person is unstable and there should be consequences for these actions anthology is edited and produced by matt hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com for a full archive of our episodes go to anthologypod.com slash archive you can also like the facebook page at facebook.com slash anthologypod and follow the show on twitter at ovanthologypod If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at anthologypod.com slash donate, or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. Official anthology merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more can be found in the Obsessive Viewers Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at anthologypod.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com. For information about the Obsessive Viewer's annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find our flagship movie and TV review and discussion show, The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, at obsessiveviewer.com, and on Twitter at obsessiveviewer. You can also find Tower Junkies, a podcast where Matt and co-host Tiny share their love of all things Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series, over at TowerJunkiesPod.com and at TowerJunkiesPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at TheSecularPerspective.com. Bumper music for this podcast comes courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. You can also find As Good As It Gets music on Spotify, Google Play, and iTunes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Kitty! You wanted a friend. Oh my god, I mean...